0: I hope you'll enjoy this journey with me as we learn from our Native American guests. And stay tuned for the end of each episode where we'll talk about some great ways to support Native causes and or Native-owned businesses. Let's get started. But first, a word from our sponsor.
1: Potential is everywhere in the Choctaw people. It's in our schools and students. It's in our small businesses and entrepreneurs. Potential is in our lifestyle and health. It's in our culture and heritage. Passion and commitment is in our blood. Ingenuity and economy are a tradition. And the Chata Foundation was founded for this potential. To cultivate minds and hearts, to stimulate ideas and passions, to extend lives and improve health through education, and to preserve and promote the power of our past. The Chata Foundation, meeting the potential of the Choctaw people.
0: Would you like to hear something so unprecedented, so unique in the American Indian community and the opera world that it could change the way we see music forever? My guest today is Chickasaw, and he brings his Chickasaw language and culture to the world of opera. And you don't even have to like opera to love what you're about to hear. This composer's pieces are so moving, so breathtaking. You'll walk away seeing the native language and opera in a whole new light. I myself spent years singing opera and have a degree in music, and in those days, if you had told me that someday someone would come along and create a Native American opera, I wouldn't have believed you. Today, I hope you'll be moved as I was when I heard the music and personal story of composer Jared Tate, and so don't worry, listeners. You'll get to hear a sneak peek of his
2: groundbreaking music in just a bit, but first, Jared, welcome to the show. Uh, Hi everyone. My name is Jared Impichucaha Tate. I'm a citizen of the Chickasaw Nation here in Oklahoma, and I'm a professional classical composer.
0: Fabulous, Yakoki. I noticed you said Taloa in there, which is also a Choctaw word. I know our our um our tribes, our nations, our sisters, mm-hmm. <laughs> basically. So um, did that mean to sing to Loa?
2: Yeah, yes. I mean, we are, we are just dialects of each other, really. So we're True. the same people. And um, so, but yes, uh, yeah, you, you're hearing that. And, you know, Yakoki is, is, uh, is a way that um, older Chickasaws would say Yakoke as well. Oh, really? So there's different pronunciations within both tribes. And, you know, there's some kind of, you know, there's, there's a crossover there. So,
0: Absolutely, and that that could be a podcast in itself. How, know, you right? know, yeah, the story of the white dog and all those things where the the they the people split off and became two different tribes and super exciting. But for our listeners today, is the only day we're doing this podcast on video. Jared and I wanted to show you listeners. Uh, Jared's Studio, so pretty schnazzy, Jared. I love it.
2: <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I'm keeping it intact because my son and I are moving actually in just two days, and so I'm oh. like, saving this to pack for last. <laughs> so, oh my <laughs> goodness!
0: <laughs> moving is such a pain, isn't it?
2: Yeah, it's it's going pretty well. I mean, I'm Good. old enough now to where I just don't get too stressed out about. It. You just gotta you just gotta keep packing, basically. So just
0: true. Keep packing.
2: <laughs> just keep
0: packing. Just keep packing. Right. Well, and honestly, if you're like me, every time I move. Cause I move every, I don't know, three years or so. I'm always like, I'm never doing this again, ever, ever, ever. Don't ever ask me. And then lo and yeah, behold, my words. husband's like, so, you know how you said you'd never move again? Well, <laughs> well, that's great. So what kind of equipment do you have in here? You obviously have two pianos cause one's not enough. Um right, right.
2: <laughs> well, one is, one is my electronic keyboard, and this is the one that's attached to my computer, and that's how I do uh, my scores. And this was this is my Baldwin Baby Grand. Oh, and actually, this fabulous. this was purchased by my mother when I was 10. So this was a lifetime oh. Christmas present, basically. and, <laughs> and You yeah, never I, get I, I anything her, for Christmas I, I after that. I told her, that. I said, you don't have to buy me another present ever if we get that. And so that was a gift from my mother. And so that's my piano. Wonderful.
0: Right not many 10 year olds are saying, Hey, can I have a baby grand?
2: <laughs> that's very true. And there, there's a story behind that. So, but I'm, I, I did start piano when I was eight. And then when I started, I was in, I was totally in.
0: Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And then, so it looks like you do some recording on the other one, right. You mm-hmm. use for electronic purposes and such. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: yeah. It's yeah. Great. And then well, that's thanks, the sir. composition uh, table back there. And there's a uh, Grogu is back there as well. We got baby Yoda back there.
0: Oh, that's
2: one of my prize paintings by Gr- Brent Greenwood. He's uh Chickasaw and Ponca. And then I think you might be able to see uh, Josh Henson right there. And then this wow. is Dustin Mater's work right here. And that right there's my son's work.
0: Oh, so, yeah. looks fabulous. <laughs> Tell him he did a great job. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I love it. Well, I've got my ancestors behind me.
2: Yes, I noticed. That's terrific. This,
0: yeah. Great, great grandparents right there. Um, this one actually went to prison for killing a bunch of people. So that's his prison photo right after his head was shaped. So, okay. <laughs> but somebody has got to love him, right? right. <laughs> anyway
2: okay we all need love (laughs) that's
0: right everybody needs love so i'm probably the only person in the world that would put his picture up but so i was so excited for today's conversation i could barely stand it to be able to talk about the two things i'm most passionate about is truly an honor so we've got opera and we've got our native language. In a moment, we'll talk about your newest composition, "Shell Shaker," a Chickasaw opera. But let's first learn learn more about you and your world. Why don't you share more about
2: your full name for our listeners and what it means? Sure, absolutely. Well, um, my full name is Jared Impechuchahha Tate. Impechuchahha uh, is one of our house names, and both Choctaws and Chickasaws have house and clan names. And fortunately, my both of mine have survived. I'm Shawi clan, which is raccoon. And um, so the the art, they were like surnames, basically. So it was like from the house of Chaha, or like von Beethoven, that kind of thing. So back in the day, we would have been referred to by either our English surnames or of the house name. So of Chaha, so you'd be introduced to either way. And both Choctaws and Chickasaws were like that. So um, so that's an inherited house name that I retain that I'm very, very proud of, of course. Mm. And um, so just a little bit about me, um, you know, first, my, my father, Charles, is Chickasaw from Ardmore, Oklahoma, and uh, dad uh, went to University of Oklahoma Law School, and um, uh, dad was professionally a lawyer, a tribal judge, special district judge, and um, dad, really importantly, was author to our current... Chickasaw Constitution, and for those that wow. maybe remember, we were we ratified all of our constitutions back in the 70s, and so Dad was a part of that and authored the new constitution that we have now. So uh, I grew up with a very, very deep knowledge of tribal politics and history, and especially being in Oklahoma with our 39 federally recognized tribes here, I was around a lot of different yeah. tribal members and cultures. And so I'm very grateful for that, of course. And um, so, but also dad is a classically trained pianist and baritone. So oh I gosh. grew up with my Chickasaw father playing class and singing classical repertoire in the house. And there it is, I started piano with dad and um, then when I started lessons, um, three months in, I had announced to my parents that I was to be a concert pianist. That was totally set. Da,
0: da, da, da. I know what I want to be, <laughs> mom and dad.
2: And I was serious. I was like, I'm going to be a concert pianist. And they were like, yeah, sure. And I'm like, no, I'm, I'm serious. And so, um, but mom, uh, uh, my mother, Patricia, uh, was Manx Irish and mom was mm-hmm. from Nebraska and, and my parents met in Oklahoma. And mom was a professional choreographer and dancer so, and my parents met in the theater. And so between my two parents, I grew up completely saturated in theater. I called myself a theater brat because I was in rehearsals all of the time. That's where I lived was in rehearsals. And so, um, one thing I'm really, really grateful for about with mom is that is that I was in the dance world. And so a lot of my American artistic heroes, are choreographers like Martha Graham, Isadora Duncan, Ruth St. Denis, Ted Shawn, Agnes DeMille. And then of course you start getting into people like Jerome Robbins and Alvin Ailey and Bob Fosse. And I mean, these the, those modern choreographers that worked with Bernstein and stuff. So right. th- this was oh a God. really major part of my wheelhouse was modern American dance. I mean, these were pioneers. And then also mom was setting you know major ballets. And so I was growing up with the finest Orchestrations known to man, with like the Rite of Spring or Romeo and Juliet. You know, this was this was normal for me when I was a kid. In fact, um, like I ran lights for mom, I did sound, I built sets, I did costume makeup, all that kind of stuff. I was just always in in all of that and i mean i i would make edits for mom on reel to reels when she needed so i was literally splicing right a spring to mom's specifications are least, you kidding me which is really horrible see if you think about it. but i mean that's just choreographers do that all the time they're constantly adding and subtracting to the yeah. you know, depending on their choreographic needs that didn't bother huh. me and and i'm actually really amenable to that now when people need to edit my music or shorten or something. That's perfectly fine. I think that's great. What I'm hoping is that, you know, no matter where in my piece, it's good enough that it's going to be okay. But also I do understand these things. But, you know, when you're working collaboratively with a production team, uh, you get used to doing those kinds of things, making adjustments depending on the cast or whatever the circumstances, right. lengthening, shortening, all that kind of stuff. So that was really cool. But dad and I... Um, my, my father's still alive, and he still sings, actually, for his church, and so he canters on a regular basis. And Dad goes to the Met broadcasts that are in the Goddard Center in Ardmore, Oklahoma, and he watches the Met you know, very faithfully. On those simulcasts that they do, nice. and Dad and I just have a very free, free flowing conversation between opera and Indian politics. I mean, it's just I love it. I'm really, really fortunate that I have him in my life, and so that's that's my reality. And 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 you know, I didn't know growing up that that would mix the way it does now as a composer. Right. Right. And and so to get into, so so I I went to I went to Northwestern in Chicago as a piano major, and I was just going for piano. But mom was working on uh, some, new, some new projects, and one was that she wanted to do a ballet based on American Indian stories from the Northern Plains and Rockies. She taught at the University of Wyoming for thirty years, and okay. so she just went to me and said, "Well, you're my Chickasaw kid, and you can, you know, you should write my <laughs> score." And I'll t- I, t- I turned her down because I, it just blew me away. I, I'd never considered composing a work like that, but she's kind of like, you know, "Come on, you grew up with this. What do you, you know, what's the problem?" And I, but the thing is, I mean, mom opened up a door that was, it was clearly an opportunity and something that I took very seriously. Mm. I mean, like within milliseconds, it processed in my head what she was asking. And, you know, beautifully and innocently, mom was asking me to be my entire self, to be both a classically trained musician and an American Indian at the exact same time married in composition. Which
0: is so not something we see out there in the mainstream.
2: Right. Well, the good news is, is look at who my examples were. I had Claude Debussy, who is a French composer. There's Tchaikovsky, who is a Russian composer. There's Bartok, who's a Hungarian composer. Mm -hmm. All of these folks were completely infusing their national and ethnic identities into their compositions. But that's what art has been doing forever. I mean, it's just that's what we do. It's like all modern artists are infusing their identities into what they do. That's what art is all about. And it's like, if you look, if you take that look at all of our like our old shell carvings, well, those were modern artists from our own tribes, bringing their national and ethnic ethnic identity into their artwork. So it wasn't something unusual. But but in Indian country, that was rather new. The only composer that I was aware of at the time was Lewis Ballard from Oklahoma, who's Quapon Cherokee. And he's a he was a symphonic composer. He was right. the only one that I was aware of. And so Anyway, I just I, I felt very overwhelmed, mostly because of it was a solution in my life that I, it hadn't occurred to me. So that was overwhelming. But also, I mean, I have the weight of Tchaikovsky on my shoulders. I, you know, I want to make sure that if I did it, that I did it with the same integrity as right. these great artists and Martha Graham. It's a like Martha Graham and Tchaikovsky. And, and these two you know, these two beings were in my wheelhouse of art. But not only that, but we we're just coming off of the first hundred years of American Indian visual art as a genre, along right. with literature and choreography and plays and now film. I mean, you know, the weight what to me was very, very serious, and I took it very seriously. So I eventually accepted. I couldn't get it out of my mind. It just, it just completely saturated my being. And so I, mom and I did that ballet. And so when I went, I was just a, I had just started my piano uh, work at the Cleveland Institute of Music. I went there and I visited with a composition teacher and I said, you know, I'd like to go ahead and add composition because I want to do this right. He -hmm. accepted me as a student. And so then I turned to my parents and I said, I am now to be a Chickasaw classical composer. Yes. (laughs) That was it.
0: I I go by the name.
2: (laughs) Yes. Well, I'm just that kind of of a person. I overthink things. And when I make a decision, it's like, you know, it's done. Yeah, Uh,
0: Same, same. I think my mom was always like, oh, we're going this direction. No, we're pick something. And I'm like, I am picking something. This is the way we're going right now. (laughs) Uh, You know, um, speaking of uh, your, I was joking about um, picking a new name, but Hmm. Impachaha, Impachachaha right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's your name. For my native Chalk Chalk listeners, if you will send me a video saying that name correctly, the first person who sends me a video saying that correctly, I will send you a t-shirt. So <laughs> I mean it for real. Let me it's know. The <laughs> I'll send it to you, Jared, too. So you can hear all the, <laughs> the funny awesome. components of it. He's you know, I, I gotta tell you, it's
2: really funny because people have a, a harder time with my first name, Jared, than they do. Name, Jared, than they do. <laughs> because it's
0: J-E-R-O-D. <laughs> Yes. Yes. Oh, I have the same problem. I'm R-A-C-H-A-E-L and it throws people off so bad. I get Raquel, Rochelle, but you're J-Rod.
1: <laughs> yes, that's right.
2: <laughs> yep. In high school in band, I, I played the trumpet for 10 years and in band, uh, people would call me J-Rod. <laughs>
0: J-Rod. <laughs>
2: My band I mean,
0: name. you keep bringing up all these things you've done. I mean, how did you have enough time in the day? Oh, yeah. I also play trumpet. I also play the banjo and the harmonica. <laughs> what do you not play? Oh, my God. No,
2: oh, no. Actually, I'm, I'm kind of limited if you really think about it. I play the piano and I played trumpet. I was a major trumpet jock. Like, I was a total band dude. And I was like, wait, I was like first chair all the time. I was that guy. And yeah. So I really, lo- I was a total brass a brass player. But I, I will, I'm going to brag on my son now because my son, Hiloha is actually far more talented than i am he is an incredible visual artist he's been stu- he's eight and he's been studying the horn for two years french horn and he's now he's in his third year of ballet and he's an amazing oh beautiful God. singer i mean this guy is like ridiculous and so i'm just like all right all i got is i can write some music and you get
0: <laughs> that's all you've got <laughs> that's, i mean he apple doesn't fall far from the tree i mean my goodness so much talent in the family, yeah, that's great. I'm really
2: grateful, and you know the thing. I'll tell you, it's I. You know, this has been my experience as becoming a parent, and that is, you know, when you become a, a parent, um, th- there's somebody in my life who's more important than I am, and it's yeah. a beautiful shift in perspective. And I want him to do better than I right. have. I want right. him to be more successful and to have more and more and more. that kind of, I just have that desire. And it's a, I love it. I love that feeling. Mm-hmm. So when he does stuff, I'm like, yeah, just go. Yeah, just absolutely. Just do it. Just do it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And I think that musicians that, there are musicians out there that come from families who don't They're not musical families, for instance, and it's kind of hard to understand your kids when they're musical, like my dad he played the trumpet, and he also was um, an art teacher for Riverside Indian boarding school and so he was very artistic but my mom was not and, um, but she appreciates art. But sometimes I think she was just like, what in the world is wrong with you? You want to be an opera singer? <laughs> How are you going to make money? You know. Well, um, so And she was always supportive, but yeah. So it's, he's it's lucky. It's really funny
2: because actually music and art, it can be very, very lucrative. You just have to be coached in the right ways. And I, I talked to sure. a lot of folks, a lot of college students about, all right, you're about to graduate. How are you going to pay the bills? And we yeah. get into it. And it's Good. actually quite lucrative to be a classical music teacher. I mean, you're out the gate, you're worth $50 an hour from college. That's really an important basic fact for people to know about themselves is their monetary value. And so, so it's actually, you can actually be quite successful. And then also there's so much flexibility when you're freelancing, because you can teach part-time and make a killing on, on everything. And then you can do all the other projects you want to. So freelance musicians have a lot of latitude, especially in the country. We've got a lot of freedom to do that.
0: That's great. And it's a a good push for all of us to remember to don't discourage your kids from being in the arts, mm-hmm. but they also need to know what they're getting into and how to, you know, put food on the table too, yes. if they're gonna go that route. So that's super important. Now you, know, you, you talked to
2: your, you mentioned, I'm sorry, you mentioned your dad. This is something I think is really, really cool because um, he was, he was um, a, a band teacher. As you said, a, a, was a band teacher at the boarding school? Uh, or? He was an art teacher. Oh, an art teacher. Yeah. Well, you know, a lot, there are a ton, there's a huge history of American Indian musicians through boarding schools and also public Hmm. schools, like in Oklahoma, you know, we're integrated, so we go to public school. But there is a huge culture of Indian band that is just I mean, it's massive and it goes a hundred years because they every boarding school had bands. So there wow. are so many historic photographs of all Indian bands that are, you know holding clarinets and flutes and percussion and trumpets and everything like that. So there's a lot of classical natives from this country from a hundred years ago. And in fact, you know, I was talking about Lewis Ballard. Um, well, Lewis back in nineteen seventy-five was hired to compose a new work that was to be played during the halftime of the playoffs, and it happened to be the Dallas Cowboys and the Washington Redskins. It just lined up. That hmm. He was already commissioned to do this, but he created an all-native band of 140 kids from across the country that came wow. from school bands. The audition, he wrote this entire show. The Navajo Collar Guard came out and did this whole thing, and they did this halftime show with Lewis Ballard who had, had composed this piece for that halftime game.
0: <laughs> That's amazing. Oh yeah, my god right? he,
2: he auditioned the kids is that were that there were that many kids they auditioned to wow. get in the band
0: mm-hmm. well and it's like when you and I first talked the other day I was like where did you find these native american opera singers and you were like well you're one so <laughs>
2: Well, Not okay. that I sing so anymore,
0: but that's something I, they're that's really, out there. Really,
2: It's really beautiful about our current um, experience with how we're, how heavily we're networking digitally right now. Yes, And yes. since the advent of the internet, we've been able to do this anyway. So like, for instance, when I did my last residency at Hopi High School, I walk in to the media room and they're all on online looking at the news from Great Britain. I mean, that's where right. their minds work from the Hopi Reservation. They're just tied right in. Oh. Well, that's a symbol of the times. It means that we are extremely connected these days. And so the momentum is increasing but our native classical musicians are we're networking at a much rap more rapid pace now true and so i i happen to know a good handful of american indian opera singers i'm just thrilled and of course i, I didn't know you until you reached out and then there we go here's another one right and so and you know and i mean this is just scratch and of course you know we do have you know we are all over the country so it's hard to just be down the street or like at the exact same true school. true but we have this right now and it's really serving us very very well so i'm really psyched about that.
0: That's awesome. I wish we could, I could promote some kind of forum where people who are, you know, have different talents, whatever it is, can just put their their name on in one single place so we can all find each other. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe someday in what spare time I have, we'll get to that. But so I noticed you mentioned your son and that you wanted to brag on him. And I know you won't brag on yourself. So I'll share a couple of excerpts from broadwayworld.com about your expertise. So don't turn red. Uh, Mr. Tate is a three-time commissioned recipient from the American Composers Forum, a Chamber Music America's Classical Commissioning Program recipient, a Cleveland Institute of Music Alumni Achievement Award recipient, a governor appointed creativity ambassador for the state of Oklahoma. I had no idea there was such a thing. That's so cool. Mm -hmm. Um, An Emmy Award winner for his work on the Oklahoma Educational Television Authority documentary, The Science of Composing. I need to go find that. That sounds Mm -hmm. interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, In addition to his work based upon his Chickasaw culture Tate has worked with the music and language of multiple tribes such as Choctaw, Navajo, Cherokee, Ojibwe, Creek, Pachanga, Comanche, Lakota, Hopi, Tlingit, Lenape, um, Tongua. that's one I haven't heard of, um, Shawnee, Caddo, Ute, Alute, Shoshone, Cree, Pout, I'm saying these wrong, I'm so sorry, and
2: Kutunai, Oh, Salish Kootenai. That's the Flatheads in Montana.
0: Oh, okay. Thanks for every one of those tribes that is listening and put up with what I just did to your <laughs> tribal names. I'm so sorry. Um, <laughs> I do not what? mean that's, disrespect.
2: It's, it's, you know, these human elements I think are really important. I mean, we've got over 500 tribes in the country and we don't all know right. how to pronounce each other's names. I mean, it's not, you don't just wake up, you're not in a born Indian and know how to say everything. True. Know, tribes. It, it takes us time to learn about each other as well. So that's,
0: Thank I, you. I, I appreciate that. <laughs> that gives me a little hope. <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> I mean, can you imagine what it was like when there were thousands of tribes like i mean just it's crazy yeah mm-hmm. so here we go there's some more believe it or not there's more people tate earned his bachelor of music and P- piano performance from northwestern university as you mentioned where he studied with Dr. Donald Isaac and his master of music and piano performance and composition from the Cleveland Institute of music, where he studied with Elizabeth pastor and Dr. Donald Erb. He has performed as first keyboard on the Broadway national tour of Les Miserables and Miss Saigon and been a guest pianist and accompanist for the Colorado ballet, Hartford ballet, and numerous ballet and dance companies. Where did you find time to do all this? <laughs> Not to mention. <laughs> (laughs) Did I say this earlier? He's the cultural (laughs) ambassador. Did I say that? Oh, creativity ambassador and cultural ambassador
2: currently. Yeah. I'm currently a cultural ambassador for the United States uh, department of state.
0: Oh, good Lord. That's Mm -hmm. amazing. Um, (laughs) Honestly, Jared, your bio and resume are so extensive. I, there was a whole lot more. I couldn't possibly fit it all into this podcast. So we would have had to use a whole hour just telling about the things you've done, not trying to make you blush. Really. I'm just, I'm impressed that, you, you really have gone all in because you're passionate about it. You love what you're doing. So listeners, long story short, this Chickasaw man is super talented. So I want to learn more about you as we go to, so let's start at the beginning. We want to hear it all. Did you grow up in Oklahoma?
2: I grew up between my, my parents divorced when I was younger. And so I spent time between Oklahoma and the Rocky mountains Okay. And so and and over time that became a real resource because I was, you know, I was around a whole bunch of Northern Plains and Rockies tribes as well. So here we got 39 tribes in Oklahoma and then there's more tribes up north and so I, I was exposed to a lot of Indian country very early on. I'm very grateful for that because it's so important that we know as much as we can about each other. And it was really just kind of handed to me without me even realizing it. So I'm I'm really grateful about that.
0: Totally. It sounds like your parents were also just such a big influence on your life and you've spoken so highly of both of them mm-hmm. so yeah,
2: they both were they both had tremendous impact on me and of course look when i was 15 i would not articulate it this i'd be like Mom, sure god. of course oh listen, my never- god
0: we're going to the ballet <laughs> again <laughs> Totally. Yeah. yeah i mean it's like you know so i mean
2: i took all that for granted like kids do um but as i get older I just I'll say I pinch myself. I feel like I'm Forrest Gump. Like, how did this happen? How did I end yeah. up here? And yeah. so it's just I, I just really am just amazed at the resources that I was given. And I'm really glad I'm living long enough to see that and, and utilize it. I mean, I just want to keep utilizing this as as much as I possibly can. You know, so I'm, just, I'm planning on another 50 years of composing. Yes. And, you know, I've just got all these tools that were given to me by my parents. So I'm, I, I have a lot of gratitude for that.
0: Oh, indeed. And I love that you're influencing um, Aloha as well, your son. And now you had mentioned something to me on the phone the other day about Oshi Aloha's song. Um, mm-hmm. There was something that you were singing to him or something like that. And then it made its way into one of your pieces or something. Yeah,
2: actually it made it into uh, the opera. And so that's actually it's a big it's a big, oh, it's a big um, let's say, where is that? That's right. It's one of the main, major scenes in the second um, act of of the opera, uh, Shell Shaker. And so, no, yeah, I will I will sing uh, different, you know, tribal songs to Hiloha when we go to bed. And Aww. so I just made up one that goes through your relatives. And so I just made one up. And so, and I call it Oshi Hiloha because Oshi is your son and Hiloha, so it's my, my son Hiloha. And then we go through mom and dad and grandma and grandpa. And, and so it's so just cute. this repetitive, fun song. And as I was coming, there, there's a scene in the opera where Luxie, the main character, her name is Looksy, which is turtle, as you know. And then, the, then there's this actual grandfather turtle that she gets to know. There's a relationship that's really important. And it comes, it just come, the orchestra comes comes in with this beautiful scene. They're having a great time. It's like a really happy time in the story. And I was just like, oh my gosh, that's the song I'm going to use. Oh, is this I melody? Love it. And since my son plays horn, it's like. Four horns, full tail. This oh this is his gosh. song, and so I told. I was like, I, I get chills when I think about it. It's, it's like I told him. I said, son, by the way, your song <laughs> is in the opera, and it comes in with the full horn section, and what you're did gonna you recognize think? it. Oh, he's like, oh, okay, cool, thanks, dad. It's <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> like sure.
0: He you know, won't but, appreciate it as much as he will when he gets older.
2: I, I I agree. And I mean, of course, then I'm like, this better be good. Oh my gosh, this better be good. But I know that when he's at the premiere, he's going to hear it. He'll probably end up, he'll probably sing out loud with it. He's just, he has no inhibitions. And so he'll probably awesome. end up singing. So it's like, you know, he'll hear it. He'll it's, I, it. I think he'll feel pretty good about it. <laughs> what a great
0: tribute to your son too. I mean, for generations to come, he'll be able to mm-hmm. tell his grandkids, you know, the song was written for mm-hmm. me by my dad or thinking yeah. of me.
2: Well, and you know one thing is, i mean mean—I'm really proud of this, and I—and I this is part of my deep passion is that this opera is saturated with Muskogean style and and our Muskogean songs. When I say Muskogean, these are songs that I'm that I'm borrowing from Choctaw, Chickasaw, Cherokee, and Creek. Okay. Um, because I want all of our Muskogean people to go, oh hey, I know that song, you know? Right, and, right. Yeah, and I love doing that, and I and when I'm working with other tribes, that's why I list those other tribes is because I will work with their music and their language. So that when those tribal members are in attendance for those those performances they're like oh i understand that oh i, I recognize that song and you know I'll, t- I'll tell you a story about this how how this really affected me back in 1997 i was coming off the tour with les mis and i went straight up to the flathead indian reservation to uh, to sing and play for a friend's wedding um and so um what <laughs> i did is i found uh, oh, no, I'm sorry. Jean Quick to See, the visual artist, had sent me a tape of one of their old Salish love songs. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, oh, I didn't know what I'm going to do. So I, what I did is I kind of made a round dance arrangement with a hand drum and I sang this love song to them at their wedding. Hey. And the community <laughs> response was fantastic because many of them had not heard that song for decades.
0: Oh, so cool. And that I was like, so oh,
2: cool. and I told them I said, well, I learned it from an old recording that was made of the Nine Pipes. And that name just resonated with the community. And I I didn't know the Nine Pipes, where I just knew it was off the Smithsonian recording that right. Jean had sent me. <laughs> and they were just so moved. And Terry was like, Jared, you brought people to tears. And I was like, aha, right. I mean, it really stuck with me. I'm like, okay, this is really important. Because then in all the, all the theatric productions to bring our language and our songs onto the concert stage, I mean, I was already doing it, but boy, did that give me a fuel injection to really make sure and give those moments for our tribal members to where they could go, I know that music, you know? Yes. And of course, I mean, I abstract, I get very modern with all kinds of things, but there's moments where those songs are just crystal clear. There they are. So I, I, that, that's a very driving memory for me
0: beautiful. I, I can't imagine being like, Oh, I'm getting married today. Now the person that's going to be singing, he's coming from Lemiz Limiz, and then, and then he'll come and Oh, and he's performing a traditional song from yeah. the tribe. That's fine.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Well, and, pretty cool. Know, of course, I'm Chickasaw. They had no idea that I would be singing this old sailor. Yeah. Song. They had no clue. And but but see, that's a, that's the technology reinforcement that I really really believe in. And, and a lot of yeah. our tribal members have been learning songs that we have found on some of the archival recordings. So we've revived a lot of our material that was archived by some people that it 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 felt questionable at the time, and we've had yeah. controversy about that. But I see a lot of positives. Like well, you know, for better for worse. They preserve some of our songs, but we own those. Those are ours. We can have full ownership of that. And it's so, you know, we can just reclaim, basically. Yeah. And of course, absolutely. you know, with NAGPRA, the Native American Graves and Repatriation Act, you know, coming what was 1991, I think, when that passed, that gave another surge of like, okay, let's get all things back, including archival videos and audio that we had. I mean, we, we oh, can gain all yeah. these things back. So I I just believe that, you know, th- things happen for a reason. And there's a lot of positive things that have happened for us as native people. So that, that was an example. And I just felt like there was a lot of just, you know, stars aligning in that very moment that really spoke to me and said, all right, Jared, there's more purpose for what you're doing.
0: Isn't it a wonderful time to be native?
2: It It is. I like it.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, I, I, it just feels like even in the last year, I mean, I don't know, I, I don't know what the, co- the, the major surge is right now, but I'd like to thank everyone who has put in time to try to bring awareness um, because those people have paved the way for us to some degree. And you are one of those as well. You're doing this groundbreaking thing by pairing our native language with opera. And that has not been done yet. So, you know, I, th- I think when we were talking about your son, when you and I last spoke on the phone, you were talking about these really cool things you do. And while we were talking, you were doing laundry and putting chicken in a crock pot. And it, was, it just kind of hit me funny. It's like one minute you're blazing a trail in the world of opera and Native American arts. And then the next minute you're like, being a dad, putting chicken in the crock pot, you know, just the everyday life of a maestro. But
2: <laughs> uh, it's well, funny, you know, and everybody has that. I mean, that that's something that's I think is very universal and unifying. Well, parent parenthood is very unifying. It's Isn't really it? cool what that does. <laughs> and, and also just family, just any sense of family, honestly, is yes. I mean, um, I'm just saying that because I'm just so jazzed about being a dad right now. So I talked, I speak that language, but family is a really, really important thing that unifies all people. And, you know, we are, we're, we're all paying bills. We're all, cleaning doing laundry we're all trying to make sure the house is okay that our kids are safe that our families are taken care of as they're aging as we have other cousins and nieces and nephews and siblings you know we're all very connected with each other we all care we all want our families to be okay so those you know all those daily I mean that's we all pay bills you know it's we all do it's true it's true
1: yeah I
0: remember (laughs) um I had won an award from the New York met and I was really excited. I felt, and I came home. I, once I got home, I was, you know, felt so glamorous and I felt so loved and just, you know, adored for a moment, you know, the ego was feeling good. And then I went to the Pantry and I was a starving college student at the time. So I went to the pantry and all I had was some commodity cheese from the <laughs> my Indian commodity cheese. I was like, I'm so hungry. <laughs> so I ate so much cheese that night. But I was like, one minute, you know, you're this audience is applauding for you. And then the next minute you're like eating commodity cheese. So, <laughs> um, but it, it really just goes to show you we're all, we're all just people. I mean, Brad Pitt at one time was probably just, you know, a server at a restaurant trying to make ends meet while he's trying to become an actor. So
2: that's, that's absolute fact. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, and you know, the thing is, it's even some people that we perceive as, you know, having silver spoons from birth, you know, there's, they go through their own tragedies. There's all kinds of things that happen. really. You know, and then also it's like, you know, th- you think about like what you're saying, like these normal lives. It's like, you know, we, we drive on streets that are paved by people who go home to feed their families and they risk True. their lives so that we can drive our cars. And they're yeah. you know, oftentimes underpaid themselves. And it's like so they're heroes by allowing us to travel and they go home and they're trying to make ends meet as well. So it's, you know, there's a lot of universality with that. And then also it's like people who change the world all come out from under rocks. It's like you never know. When somebody's going to come out with this unbelievable invention that changes all all mankind, it's really incredible.
0: Very you know, true. Stuff. Very true. But, you know,
2: I, I like to I like to remind myself of that because you know we we are all very very much closer to each other than we may realize sometimes, and I think it's really important to just kind of feel that as much as we can.
0: Very true, and be grateful for those who help you and pave the way. No pun intended, but yeah, yeah, agree. very very grateful. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm from Anadarko, as you know, and you told me a really great story about a famous athlete the other day that had to do with Anadarko. Share, share with, because I have a lot of people that listen that are from Anadarko. So sure. you got
2: to share the story. Well, I'll give a little bit of background. One one part that we can talk about here in a bit is um, um, I also teach and mentor American Indian youth in composition. And it's something that I just it's just unbelievable. I just, so uh, it's great to do this. And so we'll talk about this, but so I was on one of my gigs and I was at the grand Canyon music festival teaching, um, on the Navajo and Hopi reservations. And so I was down in Palaka and I was meeting the kids at the high school there at Hopi high, um, the Hopi Bruins, um, and uh, for the first time. And so I was just kind of getting the interviews together. You know, they're bringing their guitars and one was a clarinetist. And so we're sitting down, this Indian band. And so, um, (laughs) So I'm going through and, you know, I was just, you know, ask him, like, Hey, you know, do you have any ideas? Do you have just, what's, what are your impulses? What are you feeling you want to do? And they were writing music for string quartet. So just kind of getting them like, you know, coached up about, you know, what do you want to do? And, and so this one kid comes in and he didn't look hopey to me. And I was, I was trying to place him I was like, well, he's might be a mixed blood or something like that. So we're just sitting there very modest kid. And so we're talking and I was like, you're not from around here, are you? He goes, no. And I said, okay. I said, where are you from? And he said, um, Oklahoma. And said, oh, okay. I said, well, what tribe are you? He said, I'm Sac and Fox. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, I said, what are you doing out here in Hopi country? He said, well, my both my parents work for BIA, and so they were they were relocated out here. So I'm, I'm going to high school here at Hopi High. And I was like, oh, okay, that makes sense. I said, and his name is Norman. And so I was like, well, Norman, what's what's your last name? And he said, Thorpe. <laughs> And I said, as, like, in, like, okay. as in Jim? <laughs>
0: right. As in, <laughs> said, who yeah, are you related to?
2: <laughs> yeah, I said, he said, yeah, Jim's my uncle. I was like, oh, oh my God. God. <laughs> One of my composition students is Jim Thorpe's Dang. nephew.
0: Just so I'm, happens. I mean, it's such a small community. That can happen in our community. <laughs>
2: yes, yes. And of course, I was I in the middle of the I was like, what is going on here? See what I'm saying? I'm, like, I'm Forrest Gump. I'm just Forrest Gump. <laughs> How did this happen? Well, my, my parents, um, uh, my, yeah, my, yeah, my, my dad and his siblings when they were in high school met Jim in one of his, he'd come to Anadarko and a lot of Indian kids went out to Anadarko to meet him. And wow. I, so I get out of this lesson and I'm, I'm going back to, uh, to Tuba city. It's a bit of a drive back there through the mesas. And so I, I stop at a payphone. I call my aunt and I was like, you won't believe who I just met. And she's like, Jared, I shook Jim Thor- Thorpe's hand when I was a kid. So she shared me this story about what he was like. And I said, you know, I swear he looks just like him. And so we were describing his oh, voice wow. and wow. Anne was recalling Jim Thorpe's voice. And it, Norman just sounded just like his uncle. It oh was really gosh. incredible. But I mean, I was just like, I can't believe this. I'm having so this cool. phone conversation in the middle of the Hopi reservation, calling my Chickasaw aunt in Houston, talking about Jim Thorpe and Anadarko because I had just taught his nephew. At, at Hopi High. I mean, this is just crazy.
0: I'm kind of sign, I don't know what, but maybe you need to make like a Jim Thorpe opera. I'm running.
2: Yeah, I know, right? Just have him running all over the stage and singing. Running and singing.
0: <laughs> it's really hard to run and sing. Yes, it is. <laughs> that's why That's why all the heroines like die at the end because at least they can lay there and sing. <laughs> <laughs> and
2: they can rest. But hey, you know what? You know, they could just lip sync. I mean, you know, everybody does it so they just lip sync and run. True.
0: <laughs> little Milly Vanilli going on there. <laughs> <laughs> I love that story though. So for our listeners, I assume most of y'all know who Jim Thorpe is, but just in case he was a Sac and Fox Olympic gold medal medalist who won the pentathlon and decathlon and also happened to play pro baseball and football. I mean, he was just like this, he's like the Michael Jordan of the day, you know, except he was native American, which is cool. So I'm just blown away by these stories. He was,
2: he was also voted by, uh, um, he was voted the athlete of the century wow. by Sports Illustrated. He, he, he and Michael Jordan were neck and neck for that. But uh, Jim Thorpe, and because anybody who knows their sports history are major fans of Jim Thorpe because of his versatility, how many things he just crushed, you know, knocked out of wow. the Baltimore, so to speak. And, um, and yeah, he won, you know, he won gold medals in the Olympics. And so like, yeah, what this a guy. Was, he's a real athletic hero. He really is. So
0: truly, yeah. truly. And you know, what's crazy about your meeting, his nephew is that it just proves that we're not that far away generations wise from some of these greats, like the co talkers, Jim Thorpe, certain notable chiefs and such that hits home for me too um so what a funny story um so let's hear more about your career what got you into composing we've talked a little bit about that so at what age did you or
2: what year did you start composing I was 23 and that's of course was when mom had commissioned me for a new ballet and I see Mm. look how fortunate I was I was commissioned for my very first wow
1: Amazing. And I'll tell you,
2: I'll tell you a story around that that was actually really, really important. And that is okay. So for the ballet, mom wanted to focus on story, uh, like a uh, like a, a plethora of stories from the area. Yeah. And then we had a storyteller that that woven poetic storytelling in between. And so we were looking. This was in 1991, and Dances with Wolves had just come out.
0: Ah. And
2: so we were looking for you know actors that that we thought would be a nice draw. And so we just went through the screen credits of of all the people that were in Dances. Are you
0: the serious? World.
2: Yeah. <laughs> you know, we called Floyd Westerman, called Graham Green. They weren't available, but we got a hold of Rodney Grant and Rodney played the character wind in his hair. He had hair literally down to his ankles. Yeah, He was the adversary. He was Kevin Costner's adversar- <clears throat> adversarial guy. They yeah. didn't like each other at beginning. And then they became best friends. He's not in that famous scene where he yells from from the top of a mountain on his horse, you will always be my friend. It's like this big yes. Move
0: crying moment yeah so anyway
2: so we called rodney he was in france doing a gig and we faxed him the whole script and everything like that and he agreed to do it so rodney came in like lightning um into this gig he was very famous at the time and so he decided he agreed to do this and rodney was cool. also doing immediately a lot of social work with kids like visiting kids in reservations giving them inspirational oh, wow. talks you know all cool. this kind of stuff he was really using his stature to to motivate native kids i like him so yeah, we so we had one of our visits was to, to the Wind River Reservation, also to Pine Ridge um, when we were out in South Dakota, and so um, anyway, so he, that man was just on me, and he was like, man, you got to do this, you got to be a native film scorer and all this kind of stuff. You gotta and I was just like, ah, I was I was, I was trying to figure out where I was going with all this, and yeah. I told myself I don't think I can do this, and he, oh my gosh, that was the wrong language, but he was Rodney was really really on me about this and. You know, I mean, it was it was intense. He was so passionate about me becoming a classical symphonic composer. And that was one of the biggest reasons why I did. And Rodney, he lives in California now. And we're Thank still you,
0: friends. Rodney. Yes, I love I that he you, inspired
2: you. Yeah. yeah. And he was I mean, and so um, he just he was just on me about it. Now, I also within the in the classical community, people were also like, you've got something that's new, fresh. This is really, really great. Everybody saw a lot of value in this. But Rodney Grant just hammered it into me. And he is probably the reason why I decided to go ahead. I mean, he did it.
0: <laughs> wow. Like,
2: you know, that's, that's my deep memories. Like this guy was like so passionate about it. I was like, he's got to be right. He's got, you know, so I, I trusted him. And I'm glad I did. Oh. Isn't
0: mm-hmm. it crazy when you look at people in your life who inspired you in certain ways? And mm-hmm. you've had a lot of inspirations in your life and you haven't taken it lightly. You have really gone forward and said, I'm going to take this seriously and I'm going to try this out. Yeah. So Um, Okay. Now, speaking of, I'm excited to talk about Shell Shaker, a Chickasaw opera, and this is your newest work. And again, that combining of opera with Native American language is something that's never been done, as I mentioned earlier. Why don't you explain to us what the title means? What is a shell shaker in the Chickasaw culture?
2: Absolutely. So to my knowledge, this is the first opera that's entirely in one of our languages. And so this is entirely sung in the Chickasaw language. And shell shaker comes from our shell shaking that you and I share within our tribes. And it is a it is a mark of our culture for Southeast Muscogean culture. Also, woodlands in general, there's shell shaking all over the woodlands of the United mm-hmm. States. So it resonates with an enormous amount of Indian country. And so we don't have a powwow drum for our sound. Ours is turtle rattles. And so, um, and one so le- the lead singer in our stomp dances has one, you know, rattle in their hand. But it's the gals who are who do the massive percussive shell shaking, and of course they've got bundles of turtle rattles on each leg, mm-hmm. and they shuffle. And that's why they call it stomp dancing because they're stomping on the ground, and it creates the sixteenth note type of a rhythm. And of course, when you've got all these concentric circles of people going around the fire, I mean, you can have 100 shell shakers at the same time. And as you know, that's an amazingly beautiful wash of shell shaking sound. It's incredibly powerful. So you've got the lead singer singing, and then you've got the response from the whole crowd and all of the shell shaking. To me, it's one of the most powerful cultural things cool. that, that we've ever had in Indian country. I'm dying love, to see
0: it. Yeah,
2: I love people seeing this and experiencing it. So, so the the legend of how we received our turtle shell shakers as part of our culture is is one of our Rosetta Stone legends. Another one is spider brings fire, like how we all received fire. That's yes. shared amongst our tribes as well. <laughs> and so, you know, fire is the first technology of all humankind. And so many of us there's there's fire stories all over the world. There's also trickster stories all over the world. That's a very important one because tricksters are a very important part of our psychology in our lives. And so then for us, you know, our shell shaking. So this is this is one of the stories of how this uh, came about. And so this the story in brief is about um, a young Chickasaw girl named Loxie and she's named because of the wisdom of the turtle. Luxi means turtle. And, um, but the kids tease her that she's got a name of a slow animal. So there's these mixed feelings. So immediately you've got somebody who's in, who's in an identity crisis at the beginning. So she's dealing with kids who are making fun of her. She's actually a very, very wise person, but they don't see it. And so she, you know, Looks for solace with her mom and her grandmother, and they're like, "Hey, you know, just you're fine. We love you. You're great. You know, you you were named after the wise turtle." But she doesn't like this because she's a kid. No kid right. likes their name. I don't know one kid who has ever really right. loved their name. You know, <laughs> so and you know, kids always mess with each other's names. That's just like totally normal for that age. So anyway, that's the beginning. Is her with with that crisis in her life, and her <clears> grandmother <throat> uh, has advised um, young people in the past: you go to the river to seek advice and tell your story and the river will give you an answer. So her grandmother says, you should go to the river and talk to the river and she doesn't want to. And her dad says you should go. And so she's getting this encouragement. So she goes to the river and she goes into the river and she lets her hair down and cries and the river stops and listens to her story. And she's devastated. She wants to be part of the kids and she doesn't, she feels like she's on the outside and doesn't feel like she belongs. And the river says, You are to leave right now into the and go into the forest for four years, and that of course that's devastating. And so there's a that's and so you know that this is the end of the first act is when this is all happening. So they have a massive duet. That's like you know she's in turmoil. What? This is a big surprise. I didn't know she's wow. devastated. And the river's like, you gotta go. He's sending her off. Like it's like a, like sending her off on a boat into the middle of the Pacific Ocean or something. That oh and my so god. That's that's the first act, and that's how that closes is this big dramatic scene. So then the second act is her. She goes into the forest. Of course she's lost, and she trips over this very old turtle. Well, she sees the turtle. He's old and slow, and she begins to make fun of him. <gasps> Well, the turtle says, you're making fun of me. And she realizes, oh my goodness, I'm doing exactly what happened to me. And so immediately, oh, wow. you see this this yeah. transformation, this growth is happening. So she and the turtle become best friends. And the turtle then introduces her to all of the animals of the forest, and they teach her all of the ways to live in the forest. All the different, so they teach her culture, basically. Right. So the turtle's holding out, she doesn't know what he's gonna teach her. So finally, and he's an old turtle. Well, they build a place and they, and she's living the force and she loses track of time. Of course, she's having a great time with right. all <laughs> her new animal friends. And so um, so one evening, she, uh, she and the turtle go to sleep and she has a dream that the grandmother turtle is coming to take him away to be with his ancestors. And she wakes up and realizes it wasn't a dream. It was real. Oh, yeah. Home. But the grandmother says, he has left you a gift. This is your final gift. And it's the shells. And so she knows what to do with those. And she realizes four years has gone by and she knows it's time to go home. So in the meantime, the grandmother has also visited the village and told, given them a premonition that she is to return someday with something very, very important. Well, I've added a love interest. There's a a little boy named Hiloha, which is my son's name. No way. (laughs) Hiloha is our word for thunder, where it's both Choctaw and Chickasaw. And, um, and so he, but he, you know, he's secret, but he, while she's away, he actually becomes one of the leaders of, of singing. He becomes a minko basically. And so and he, and he knows she's going to return. And so he's very patient about this. Well, she, the, at the very end of the second, half, she goes home, there's a big aria and her return and she comes to the community and they're about to begin dancing, but without the shells. And she gives the shells to the women. And there's a big, uh, there's a big stomp dance at the very end of the opera. And that's oh, when they, so so, cool. so it's a big finale of them shell shaking. And then that's, that's the end of the opera. So it's a happy ending.
0: Yes. <laughs> it's a happy ending. And I, I love the story, you know, like the, it's so that's so our native American stories. Yes, it really is. It has and a great you know, one message thing
2: too. I really like about it is that it's also very architect. It's a, it's an archetype of a lot of stories around the world. Hmm. Personal identity crisis with somebody they go yeah. off to an unknown place. Usually, it's the forest. Of course, here she goes out to the forest. Everybody goes to the forest. Look, Everybody Skywalker, goes to the forest. Yeah. To, to the forest. You know,
0: <laughs> The so, swamp.
2: <laughs> right, right. But you know, when he, and, and they meet their challenges and they they grow and then they come back. You know, a, a, you know more you know, that they've they've had enlightenment. Yes, they're, they're more. They have, yes. they've grown up. You know, right. And so she comes back and of course and transforms and gives all. The, she becomes basically a, a knowledge bearer for her tribe. You know, and she bestows all the new knowledge onto the tribe, including the shell shaking.
0: And I love this, the, the role of the older turtle, because, you know, obviously in our culture, it's very important to honor our elders. And he's like the Yoda of, of the shell shaker opera. He so. is.
2: That's right. I, I, I love it. And when, you know, this actually was a smaller scene in my recent um, CD called Loak Shopala which is many scenes of Chickasaw culture, and one of them is called shell shaker and it was a smaller version of this and when i wrote it and we i realized i'm like you know what i think this could actually and i was thinking
0: could yeah. this be
2: could this be a full opera. And I, and so so what happens is I've developed the story and, and actually we're in the middle of that. I've written about 60% of it now, but yeah. we're still developing the libretto. And so and so we're actually have postponed the premiere. It's going to be next November. It was going to be in March. No, to... I was
0: hoping for spring. I'm so sorry. I, but, but actually <laughs> okay, it's fine. really, everybody
2: agrees. All the singers and all the production team, we all agree this needs more time. And honestly, it's because everybody wants to make sure that this comes out the gate on our best foot possible.
0: Absolutely, do it right. Yeah. Right, or don't do it at all. And yeah. then, you know, if
2: you don't mind, I'll transition. This is something I'm really excited about because we have our American Indian singers already cast in this. And so yes. three singers that we have cast so far, one is Choctaw. His name is Mark Billy. Woo-hoo. And Mark is from Oklahoma and he now lives in Minneapolis and he sings professionally with an opera company called an opera company. They're a brand mm-hmm. new opera company. And so Mark is, is um, he, he's, he's a baritone he is, Oh my gosh, his voice
0: Wow. <laughs> oh
2: gosh. It's so beautiful. He is so beautiful. And so um, we have a spinto soprano who is okay. Muskogee Creek and she's Kirsten Kunkel and she lives in Ohio. And so she's been cast and we have a young Cherokee soprano, Kate Morton. She's a, a lyric mezzo. Well, she's a lyric soprano slash mezzo. She's got a wow. really okay. unusual voice. And yeah. so, so she's been cast. So we already have uh, three people who have been cast. Which I'm very excited about. So we've got our, our Indian singers in, in the cast so far. And so and so we're we're still working on casting right now. But those people are absolutely in right now. And I'm For very sure. excited about that. So so yes, yeah, <sighs> so this opera so is awesome. going and, and the costume design is by our Chickasaw um I'd like our Dame Chickasaw like uh, the textile expert um, Margaret Wheeler, and so she's made all the renderings that are actually on my Facebook page now on in, in, on Instagram. They're
0: beautiful. I'll be sure to share them with our Facebook. Please and do. My Margaret is
2: amazing. Book. Margaret is she. Uh, mm-hmm. She has a, a, a company called Mahota Textiles, and her her work is just unbelievable. Mm-hmm. So at the premiere. Um, they will well actually the premiere is going to be a concert style premiere kind of like Les Mis um, what like the 25th anniversary of Les Mis so and and then we'll stage it later but we're going to do it as a concert premiere with the orchestra but everybody will be in full right. costume so nice. yes I'm very excited about this so that's that's what that's going to be like and it's really uh, cool. oh and also our so. So I, I'm not fluent in the language, um, but our, our obviously our our the director of our language department is Josh Henson, and Josh is a modern Chickasaw speaker. Okay, and when I say that, it's, he's very comfortable with um, with interpreting and translating into modern text. And Josh and I have worked on several projects. In fact, one of them was called Misha Sapokni about the uh, the brothers Choate and Chickasaw. Going to oh. Mississippi together and splitting—that was—I so I wrote an cool. oratorio about our migration story, and that is all in Chickasaw. Of course right? you did, <laughs> of course. And so, but Josh is is um is our interpreter and translator, and so between Josh and um, Lila Palmer, she is our dramaturg slash other um, librettist. The three of us are 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 creating the libretto together, which I'm really grateful for because Lila has great expertise. Josh is, and so it's just—it's a very unusual um circumstance in which the libretto is being created so you know oh, i'm providing okay. the, the main architecture and she's helping out with like you know to make sure that the english poetry is really really great and then josh is making sure the chickasaw is airtight so it can be performed both in english and Ch- and chickasaw equally successfully and of course with super time, oh kind of okay so we're that that's actually our biggest thing is that we want to make sure that all of that text is 100 available to do however anybody wants to yeah yeah, to, I think so that's anyone really can adopt important. it because yeah, I'm I mean, not going to just have it in the Chickasaw and that's fine but you know I we need to develop the English text where the English text so I'm going to have two versions composed like okay. two scores one in English wow. and one in Chickasaw
0: so I, as a former opera singer I know that an aria which is basically a song mm-hmm. is not just made up of the voice and the notes the words themselves are a vital component of it all more so than someone would probably know and like the syllables have to fall in the right place on the right pitch in order for it to work and anyone who knows opera knows that italian is typically the most popular language it just you know it glides off the tongue so perfectly especially with. Those lyric coloratura arias, I'm lyric coloratura, but those light, high-pitched songs, you know, you think about how well Italian goes with those. So I just, I wondered how challenging or not challenging it was for you to take those, you know, translated words and from English to Chickasaw, and strategically place them in all the right spots for your singers. I mean, what was that that like?
2: Well, I mean, I'm. I'm. Uh, it's. It's really hard to to describe. So basically, the way that Josh and I have worked is, I will create an English base. He translates it into inter- and interprets it into Chickasaw, and then gives me like the literal translation back, and then I will adjust the English to where the English actually sounds Chickasaw ish in its okay. delivery. Okay. Yeah. So I'm. That's what I usually am working with, and so you know i mean i know the words that are being sung and I, I i guess i'm just kind of following my artistic intuition about um because yeah the english does sound very different and so i'm trying to make it sound really good in chickasaw but that's yeah I mean, that's the challenge that's why we're addressing this is because i want to be able to create an english version I'm obviously going to be very similar all translations do this sure. there's some there's a little bit not the same as the first yeah, one. Yeah, you
0: lose a little bit.
2: You lose some one things, way or but, the other. But sometimes it actually you gain something. Cause it really just depends on how you look at it, like how with how the translations are. So I guess what I'm saying is like I follow a lot of, um, I just follow my muse a lot. I follow my impulse. Yeah. And I mean I'm singing it to myself all the time. <clears throat> you know, so I'm trying it out on my voice and seeing how that feels. And yeah. You know, and and you know. Yeah, so I just do a lot of, like, in-studio experimenting with my own singing, which I will never want anybody else to hear.
0: (laughs) Are you baritone?
2: No, I I am a baritone, but I'm not a classically trained singer, and that's the last thing I would want to do is pollute somebody's mind with me singing. (laughs) through that and just destroying it for them. So, so they hear the final <laughs> huh? result, but no. I'm, I guess I'm, I won't I'm
0: ask it. you to break out in song then. Fine, <laughs> whatever. Yeah,
2: right. No, my son is a better singer than I was all he, he could do. That. But, but I mean, I do that. I, I have to because I want to yes. make sure that I yes. feel that, that the Chickasaw is feeling that it's sounding and feeling good to me. Right. You know? So, I mean, so, and I mean, I can pronounce all of it. I'm, I'm very comfortable with all the pronunciation, you know, um, and so I just, I just sing it to myself as I'm playing.
0: And, and are you fluent in Chickasaw?
2: No, I'm not fluent. I can read it and <clears throat> I can pronounce it. Yeah. Um, but I mean, you know, that's why I need Josh, But I'm, not, a, I'm sure. not an adult fluent speaker. Mm-hmm.
0: Sure. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. I mean, mm-hmm. this stuff is, I'm so glad we met. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh Likewise. man, it's just so cool. Yeah. Um. So I I'm so excited to play an excerpt from one of your Choctaw hymn pieces. Um, you and I had talked about, I was like, can we play something from the opera? Will you let yep. us have a sneak peek? And you're like, we don't have anything recorded yet. Cause we're still, you know, you're still in the middle of composing the rest of it. So, um, but I thought it was great that we can listen to this Choctaw hymn piece, which sounds similar to some yes. of the you know music you're doing in there. So tell us what we're about to hear and what it's about.
2: Well, this is actually a trailer that I had assembled to help uh, push, you know, some uh, support for doing the opera. And um, in the, the in the work, Lowak Chopla on the on the new CD, there's actually a scene in there called "Hymn," and it's a first. It's like a fully orchestrated version of one of our Choctaw hymns that Chickasaws and Choctaws sing alike in our in our churches. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, those hymns are just I love oh amazing they're so beautiful, and they're yes. just I mean, they're the the melodies are just like they're there. They're just waiting to be you know to be put with a symphonic Shrew. orchestra and so so th- this is an example of that and so I, I i put the climax in there where you hear a full a verse of the hymn but with a baritone and a soprano singing with a full orchestra
0: beautiful and what's the name of the piece
2: this is called hymn this oh I just, just hymn yeah, that's right that's right it's just because it's just one of our hymns orchestrated
0: all right well, okay, now folks, it's the moment we've all been waiting for. We're gonna play a portion of one of Mr. Tate's pieces. And again, this isn't from the actual opera, but it'll definitely um, give you a taste of what is to come. So I'm gonna share my screen here, just a moment. <clears throat> With uh, sharing this on Zoom, I have to click a few, quite a few buttons. Um... <laughs> <I totally
1: understand.
0: laughs> all right, let's see this. Can you hear it okay? my gosh. I just, I love it. I love it. I love it. It just.
1: Thank you. Wow. No,
0: thank you. Thank You can tell
2: I'm a very romantic composer and I do. I feel very, very romantic and dramatic um, um, about our people. And I'm very, very proud of who we are. And I just feel so grateful. You know, I think about this. It's like, you know, we think about our ancestors that that walked during the removal, you know, from Mississippi Mm -hmm. to Oklahoma and um you know we've talked about this on the phone is you know they they walked 600 miles in mud so that i can write an opera about it and that's a fact they did that so that you and i have the opportunity to make a better life and and that's there's that's very deep and so i'm just so proud Mm. to be able to put a beautiful legend on the on the concert stage for the world to see I want Indian country to be world players, to be in in the front mind of everybody around the world. And this is, I'm really hoping I'm contributing to that motion.
0: Absolutely. And not just, how to say this, not just a novelty, a mm-hmm. a, a player that can come up against anything, any other opera mm-hmm. and all that. So amazing. If that, I mean, seriously, if that doesn't bring tears to your eyes or at least goosebumps, i mm-hmm. goosebumps it's during those moments where it's just swelling and swelling mm-hmm. and, and just, and then boom the voices and ah, so
2: yeah, and that that's the hymn straight up that is a straight up transcription of, of the hymn and yeah it's I mean these melodies are just absolutely sensational and from what I understand that particular one was composed during the removal wow so, I mean and there were hymns that were made up on the way I mean that's what she did it's like you were walking and singing and so um, I'm just hoping it draws some good spirits there
0: I mean who would have thought that they were on during the removal, they were on the Trail of Tears. They were singing these songs to help give them. I mean, when you hear the uh, testaments of those who were actually singing on the trail, they actually were using it as a were, were, uh it was more positive than you would have thought from what right. yes. we hear from the stories mm-hmm. from their own mouths. But mm-hmm. and who would have thought, though, now that they'd have their own opera composed by one of their own. <laughs> yes. So, Wow.
2: Yeah. Thank you for sharing I am Forrest Gump. How did I end up here? I don't know. How did
0: we end up here? How did you end up here?
2: (laughs) Well, and, and of course, you know, this, this takes time to see that, but this is one of the reasons like I look, I look back at my parents and my family and all those things that contributed to this, this final point here. Yeah. It's all real. It's all very, very real. And so I'm just, you know, I'm very grateful for everything that's happened.
0: Wow. And and you're not even close to being done. I mean, you're this is just the first of three operas, I think.
2: Yes, that's right. So they're, the second one is a Cherokee opera. And um, that one is actually going to start to be workshopped by Whitesnake, um, the opera company in Boston, um, after, very shortly after this one premieres. Actually, they de- they all know each other. They delayed it because they know this one's take more some some more time. So that will be sung entirely in the Cherokee language. And so I've got my Cherokee colleagues cool. in Oklahoma working on with, working with that. I am also Cherokee and Creek, and okay. so uh, so I'm just I feel you know so that I'm feeling very connected with this as well. But my all my advisors are all Cherokee speakers and 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 uh, cultural experts. So, but Barbara Callister is the person who really pushed that. And Barbara is Cherokee, and she sang with the Met back in the day. And Barbara lived in New York for a very, very long time, had an international opera career. She's a dramatic mezzo. And now she she's back um, in the Cherokee Nation teaching vocal um, lessons to Cherokee kids. Oh, she's a, a tribal employee teaching Future
0: opera, opera singers for Jared Tate
2: i know right <laughs> well and that's actually that's how i met kate morton um the cherokee soprano that i'm working with right now uh, because she's one of barbara's proteges so anyway so cherokee's next and that's going to be about sequoia and his daughter ioka so it's going to be about Ooh, their relationship hello and it has three stories in there they're really cool but it's them preparing their final uh, syllabary that they're taking to the tribal council for approval for their new Cherokee press. Mm. And that's real. It's like, you know, I don't, I don't know if people are aware of this, but Sequoia created the very first American Indian alphabet. And I believe what I'm hearing is that it was the first alphabet created in about 5,000 years by one person who never read. He only saw people reading. Like he picked it up, really? never read English, didn't read English. That's he did amazing. not know. He just saw it and was like, you know, I think I want to do that for my tribe. And here this genius creates this first syllabary. I mean, and that's why <laughs> one of the reasons why it looks so unusual is because he wasn't over influenced by. Yeah, the right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Ah. So, so this is, uh, but his daughter was one of his, was one of his assistants in preparing everything in his shop and getting this ready. And they took it to the tribal council at the time for approval and it was approved. And that's when they started the Cherokee Phoenix, their, their newspaper and started printing and and disseminating all of this reading ability of the Cherokee language throughout their tribe. Yeah, that's amazing. So he tells her three really awesome, important stories of the tribe. And those become the stories that are told in this opera. So it's like it's like you got this main story, and then it breaks out into these three other important stories of the Cherokee. Oh, and comes so back so cool. it. Oh, I'm excited about this. It's going to be a yes, lot of, lot yes, of fun Yes, bring that. it. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So that that'll be opera number two.
0: Okay. And do you know what number three is yet?
2: I, I, do yes, something, I have, talk, talk. What? What? Well, <laughs> I I haven't. I have some ideas. I'm still working on that. Um, I I'm still kind of settling on what the third one will be. But there will be three.
0: You could do something about like this guy.
2: That, that, I know, right?
0: <laughs> he was actually pardoned by President Grover Cleveland. Otherwise he oh. was going to be hanged.
2: Oh, well, thank you, President I, Cleveland. I've
0: got all your content ready now.
2: <laughs> I appreciate that. Somebody can
0: play President Cleveland.
2: <laughs> right.
0: I'm thinking baritone. I don't know. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> Maybe you could do both. You could play that part too.
2: No, no, I won't do that. That won't
0: happen. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> you change your mind. Can, let me know. I'll I can sing.
2: You. Okay. But I can't, I can't sing opera. That's just that I never trained opera. So that's, that's not something I will do. Here. I say this. And of course, I told Rodney that I couldn't write symphonic music. And Rodney was like, Wrong. "Yeah, nobody
0: believes you anymore. Jared, J. Rod. <laughs> <I know. laughs> <Thank you. laughs>
2: yes. My high school classmates will appreciate you calling me that. <laughs> my
0: bandmate. I'm sure.
2: Yes, they paid in. me Dan to Hunter, say that a shout out to you guys man that's, that's, there you go <laughs>
0: there you go to Jared's high school <laughs> classmates yeah <laughs> thanks for slipping me the 20
2: um, <laughs> awesome.
0: so i i was side note curious about your singers you said you had a chuck and you had these different um people from different nations and did they already speak chickasaw or did you have to teach them I mean, honestly, like mm-hmm. I picked up the, the my Italian arias when I was 12 years old and I didn't have to know Italian to be able to mm-hmm. pick up the diction and all that. So mm-hmm. I assume they don't need to know Chickasaw, but did they?
2: No, no singer does. And I mean, you know, th- there's been many choruses who have sang in the different languages that that I've you know, been putting out there. And of yeah. course, I've always got a pronunciation guide, you know, and sure. also one thing that's really cool is that... Um, Other than the Cherokee language, a lot of our languages, um, when they became written, were phonetically very English based. So since since we're all speaking English, it's English, it's actually really helpful for that. So and I will say the Chickasaw language is extremely English looking. Um, And so it's actually quite easy. And so when I recorded with the San Francisco Symphony and Chorus, with my album in 2007, the you know, the chorus, you know, obviously they were singing Chickasaw and I, you know, went in there to help with pronunciation and they, I mean, they got it very quickly. It was really quite clear. I mean, we've got yeah. the nasal that that's important. There's glottals, but you don't, even in our, in our traditional music, we don't sing our glottals, you know, the glottal Right. right. And then also with the Choctaws and Chickasaws, we only have one vowel sound. There's no long and short versions of the vowels and also yeah. we don't have x's or j's or z's mm-hmm. so it's actually a, a much more compact um alphabet and it's really quite easy for singers to sing and you know and when every language rounds out and relaxes when it's being sung every single language and yeah. so uh, it's just it's a similar circumstance also one thing that's pretty cool is that in our own hymn singing in our own lang- in our own traditional songs um, we don't, uh, traditionally necessarily, we, we breathe in, in the middle of words, like quite common to do that. Mm-hmm. So when I do that and I'm putting breath marks, they're like, well, it's been in between the world. I'm like, oh, that's okay. It's not, we don't traditionally, you know, <laughs> we, we do it. that. And they're like, well, Oh, so I'm like, breathe anywhere you want to. So they're like, yeah. yeah
0: <laughs> Every singer's dream. <laughs> but right? also, I mean, like, if you think about French, spoken French is very different than sung French parts French. of it. Mm-hmm. And so are those have those rules ever been made for Chickasaw, you know, sung diction yet? I don't know. No, like,
2: no. no, no. My my pronunciation guys are the first to address all those issues, and I've got. Oh my that, gosh, that, that that's I've had cool. pretty standard, you know. And and I and I save everything that you're saying. I give the actual pronunciation for the speaking language, and then I say this all naturally relaxes like all languages do. So, for instance, yeah you know um uh, we have a, we'll have double vowels like a double a just means that it's ah uh, longer when it's spoken but that doesn't apply to to music because i'm yeah. the one that's actually determining how long everything is by the rhythm so obviously that doesn't happen. So I'm putting in the correct spellings according to our 1994 dictionary,
1: mm-hmm. but
2: um, but you know there it's gonna it's gonna go different directions because it's notated, and I'm the one that lengthens right. or shortens whatever is happening. I mean, some sometimes it's very rhythmic sounding, and sometimes it's very lyric and, and melodic sounding. It just really depends. But glottals we don't pronounce even in our own you know in our own folk music. You know, so if you yeah yeah if you listen to a drum dance or a jump dance or you know a double header or something like that, I mean we're not singing glottals.
1: You know, mm-hmm. but
2: in our pronunciation there are, and, and the nasals also aren't, aren't nearly as present, but it's yeah. pretty much like a French nasal anyway, but even people who sing French have different degrees of how much they really focus on the nasals, you know, True. really depends on the singer. Mm-hmm.
0: True. And I guess you do have some kind of a door opening with the hymns and things like that. Some, some taste of how the Chickasaw sung. you know, Mm -hmm. The language is sung, Mm -hmm. but it's still very different when it comes to opera, in my opinion, or maybe it's not, but agreed. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. Very interesting. So, um, well, tell me about the music itself. I mean, we picked up a lot just now from getting to hear that piece. But what was your overall inspiration for the general themes and sounds? Is there a Native American feel to the music, I assume?
2: Well, I mean, I, that's that's my goal. Basically, the best way I can describe it is that I'm looking for an ethos in the sound. And within that ethos, there are specific things I'm doing. So number one is I have an enormous amount of our tribal music literally transcribed and used as base material throughout. So you're going to hear melodies all over the place Mm -hmm. and many of them will be like very, very rooted in our traditional melodies and sometimes very literally also very abstracted. Now in terms of like the orchestral ethos, well, the the shakers are present. I will, not give spoiler alerts but that's oh. a very and and throughout my orchestral music I actually use a lot of of shell shaking sound. Oh cool. That's a signature sound I really nice. enjoy. And so I use it in, yeah. And sometimes that's like through little tiny egg shakers like that I'm orchestrating mm-hmm. the actual shell shaking sound. Sometimes it will be a very small slight sound and sometimes it will be a larger shaker sound. So the percussionists handle different colors of my modern abstractions of that right. shell shaking sound. Just like Indian oh, cool. painters do. It's like if you look at Brent's piece he's got you know he's got a hymn singer well, he's got to, he's got a stump, and it's called bringing up the sun. And he's got this chalk dog guy, bringing up the melodies through the fire and everything like that. Well, he's abstracting. He's got those ancient petroglyphs in the sky yeah you know, the colors are all different well that's what our that's what our native artists do so i'm doing the same thing with our melodies and the context of the story so i'm i'm modernizing our ancient culture and of course that's what our shell carvers were doing back then they were modernized yeah things that
1: had been done right years
2: ago so <clears throat> that's so but i use the full orchestra just like in, in native painters used you know acrylics and paintbrushes that are not aboriginal to our to our tribes they're using those modern materials i'm doing the same thing with the symphonic orchestra so in the orchestrations, yes, I'm looking for rich woodland feel. Yeah. In the segment where the animals are all talking, oh my gosh. I mean, you've got, you've got a raccoon dance, you've got a quail dance. You've got a, a deer dance song, you've got so there all those melodies are in there, but I'm completely characterizing. I'm making them character pieces. Right. Right. So that, that oh, it's not how it's it. necessarily traditionally. So <laughs> I'm abstracting, but I'm making those melodies very... I'm I'm I'm, I'm messing with them and so where they're creating these different characters, the nani, the fish. Or Unifani you know, the squirrel, or E.C. The, the deer, you know, and and I mean all. Of this, so I'm I'm characterizing all of this stuff, and so that's that's what I'm doing threat And I want it to come out to where you feel like you've been arrested, surrounded by woodland creatures, from a you know from a, this specific culture. I want right. that feeling.
0: Oh, and of I course, love you know, that.
2: that's like, cool. like when when she goes and talks to the river and they have their their duet about and they're in struggle. I mean, they're singing these tunes, but that, that I mean, it's just going to be just basically big orchestrations that are very emotional, you know, so I'm looking for that as well. So there, there's a big variety of treatments and drama. But I mean, again, that's what theater does. It's like you look at I mean, look, if you look. if if anybody uh is inclined to listen to prokofiev's romeo and juliet ballet score oh my gosh you want to talk about a russian composer taking everything (laughs) russian (laughs) and just doing everything possible to express all kinds of abstractions of his own russian culture it's a really good example right So i feel like i'm a kid in a candy shop i'm just like saturated in my own tribal story Uh, with all of our tunes. I'm just, I just feel so charged. I feel like I'm in a blanket of my own people, you know, and it's, and I yeah. just, I'm just allowing myself just to be very inspired and very impulsive about expressing. I ultimately, I want all audience members to be pulled by the story, yes. you know, compelled.
0: You know? I don't think you're going to have any issue with that. <laughs> <laughs> Not at all. Cross <laughs> fingers. Hey,
2: it is. You know, it has. You know, it's. I still have tests to pass.
0: <laughs> sure, but Every I mean, does. if it's anything like you know what we just heard, it's um, it's going to be great. So yeah, we're it's cheering very, you on. Like, it's
2: very much. Yeah, there are lots of moments like that.
0: <laughs> right. There's lots
2: of biggies. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of emotions going on.
0: Oh, yeah. And, and you know, something I think our listeners need to know is that you don't have to be an opera buff to enjoy Shell Shaker. We're all kind of learning this new thing by coming to see it in November of 2022. So with that romantic sounding score and the beautiful costuming and so on, everybody's going to get something out of this. and. You know, and I remember when I would sing opera, and I would ask somebody to come watch. They'd be like, "Oh God, no! I don't know anything about it. It's it's in a foreign language, and all of those things." You know, it, I had to drag them to come watch, and then they always enjoyed it. You know, mm-hmm. I, I think sometimes they would run a little long <laughs> for the average. You know, operas can be very
2: long. But, you know, yeah. one thing one thing I try to encourage people to remember that I think is really cool, and that is today. We're in yet another explosion of symphonic music and film. You know, th- yeah. that it's happened many times over the last hundred, you know, ever since film has been created, but we're in yet another explosion. And right now the majority, the, the public is extremely attuned and actually quite educated In every possible style of symphonic music Hmm. like the most classical sounding to pop sounding to very modern and edgy sounding they mix it with metal bands you know some of it sounds very you know British and very conservative (laughs) pianistic from the 1800s you know I mean there's so much going on and of course there's one Marvel movies wouldn't be what they are without these incredibly dramatic symphonic scores so people are actually completely primed to listen to opera because opera is bigger than life and it's all that it's all that big very big expression of the i don't even
0: think people realize And I hope that this will make everybody think next time you watch a movie, think about the music that's in the background and, and think about how much it moves you to along the story of what you're watching. I remember when I was in college, Ren and Stimpy was really big. And I remember them playing some opera pieces in that and some classical pieces, as well as think about Bugs Bunny you know, he had a lot of, there was a lot of classical pieces in there too. So it's, it's out there more than people know. I think there was a Frere Rocher commercial that had, mm-hmm. um, a French piece that I used to sing. And it was a duet. I can't remember what it was called, but anyway, oh, I know what you're
2: talking about. Yes. Yes. Frere, um, not no, it's, uh, I, I know yeah. exactly which one you're Let's talking Let's sing about it
0: here. together so we can remember. <laughs> no, I no me neither.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and, and especially because uh, it's th- supposed to be
0: two sopranos, so I think in bringing this up,
2: what it, what it does is this allows the audience to take ownership for something they already know. Yeah, so like, they're they're completely equipped and, and capable. Of yeah, are Most people know what a clarinet sounds like, or what strings instruments sound like, or what the brass instruments sound like because of their exposure to you know to modern cinema it's terrific it's really really great so there's and so th- that intimidation factor like otherness factor doesn't have to exist at all it's like you know did you ever listen to the score for what when raya came out i was listening to that you know hiloha loves riots so this is great when all those disney scores that come out for all the cartoons yeah I listen, i'm listening to the scores and i'll tell you i'm listening going that's some great music. Oh my gosh. You know, yeah. I really admire a lot of these film composers who make the decision they do. I, they, I mean, they're making great artistic decisions with their, with their symphonic arrangements. They're this really quite amazing. The world really
0: is, is becoming impressive. more and more talented as we go. <laughs> it's um,
1: true. <laughs> it is, isn't
0: it? It's like, wow. I mean, even just with what what you're doing. Um, But now Sometimes operas today have super titles, which is a chance for the audience yes. to read the translation. So sometimes it's like a screen above or beside the stage. And so they can understand what's going on in the opera. So it's great for people who mm-hmm. uh, don't speak Chickasaw, which is like 99% of the population. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Or just, you know, they just want to understand, okay, I they look upset. Why are they upset? I need to see the translation. But anyway, will Shellshaker have super titles? Yes. Yeah. Good. It's Good. Okay. Do so
2: because all, all you do is you just lower a screen just a certain amount away and you have a PowerPoint and you project it on there and somebody just sits and clicks the space bar at all the right times in the score. It's pretty easy to do to have super titles. In nice. Mm-hmm.
0: Nice. And, and so nobody, no one, y'all, you do not have an excuse to not come to this. Okay. No excuses. So no excuses. You're going to be
2: moved. <laughs> It'll be a mass migration of the entire country. That's right. To Massachusetts <laughs> to witness this opera.
0: they're all going to come you built it they will come
2: absolutely if all I have these...
0: anything to do with it they will yep. all <laughs> these I opera stars it. from
2: the from the past will just re-emerge and they'll, they'll come oh, back to life and
0: <laughs> that would be amazing Beverly Sills would be my favorite <laughs> right <laughs> so um I noticed I'm going to put you on the spot you're probably going to say no I'm okay with rejection I'm used to putting myself out there so <laughs> uh you have a piano right there is there any chance you can play 30 seconds of something for us i'm not going
2: to no
0: (laughs) (laughs) it again fine
2: (laughs) i'm not prepared and that's like this is a typical uh, classical pianist thing to do it's like you know i mean honestly all my music is packed i need to read something oh I would actually play you that Choctaw hymn. I, I don't don't have it with me to. No, read it. it's
0: okay. Read. It's okay. We did not plan for that at all. I just thought I'd like throw you for a loop and make you blush.
2: So human um, moments. It's like <laughs> no, I'm not going to play for you.
0: I'm a pianist, <laughs> but I'm not going to play. I'm well, that's the thing. Like I never would tell people that I sing because, well, first off, most people don't want to hear opera singing. But mm. for you know, a lot of people, if they knew you did, they're like, oh, sing something, and I'm like. <sighs> This yeah. room is so dry. It's going to be like singing yeah. into cotton. No, I don't yeah. want to sing. Right. Through. I,
2: I, I totally get it. Well, I mean, it's, you know, it's the same with anything. It's like, you know, well, you know, I'm I do construction for a living. Oh, could you build a house for me? Right, um, exactly. No. Well, you're going to have to kind of come to the site and see what's going on if you want to see the house right. being built.
0: I I know there is a price for everything. So, if you want to pay me, we might be able to come up with something, but yeah. <laughs>
2: That's funny. I would rather Uh, people go on YouTube and hear like really great polished performances. Amen. Amen.
0: (laughs) Well, thanks for not considering that. So (laughs) (laughs) I love it. (laughs) Uh, Well, something else I think is Wonderful about this being created by a Native American is the fact that every detail is, c- is considered. And you shared with us earlier about the costuming for the production. And for our listeners, I'm going to share those sketches on my Native Chalk <clears throat> Talk Facebook page, along with you know more information and photos about Jared and the Shell Shaker Opera. Um, what else can you tell us about the costumes? Anything else there?
2: Well, um, you know, Margaret does a, a modern twist on on ancient, you know, costuming. And uh, and then she also matches it with the character. So like River has this really beautiful rivery type of an outfit.
1: Beautiful. And
2: and so and but her knowledge her uh, her knowledge of our ancient um, uh, clothing is very deep. So she's pulling from a, a very very well informed you know place, and it's really yeah. really cool. So, and I mean uh, that's what that's what we want. So she's drawing from that tradition and making it modern. And I just cool. I just love that about her, you know. And of course, you know, it was really fun because all those air, animal characters, she's got specific costumes to that, and she's got a, a younger version of Luxie and, and the the older version, and same thing oh, with okay. Opa, the younger, and then four years later, and then you know, so all all the characters have their own you know look, and they're they're elegant. Oh my yeah. gosh, are these elegant? I mean, you they know, they are.
0: They're so beautiful.
2: Look, Met the Met has nothing on her. Wow. I'm not joking. Go I, Margaret. I look, at stuff, I look at stuff like that. I'm like, yeah, whatever. We got all that in Indian country. And in fact, you know, with the opening of the first Americans Museum that just happened here in Oklahoma mm-hmm. just a, f- a few weeks ago, Margaret and a lot of her colleagues, there's a lot of Native uh, designers, clothing designers coming up. The Native fashion is exploding. It's awesome. I that love it. That is so great. There was a so huge great. runway show with like five or six costume designers you know, and themselves is playing along with it. And and I'm telling, again, it was, it was, I hate to say this, but it was immediately after the Met, you know, uh, their, their big gala. Yeah. I'm like, I'd rather this, this, honestly, this stuff is, you're like this is Yeah. This is it. This is like really great modern American stuff. And I'd much rather watch these things. It was so compelling what people are doing with our designs and how they're, it's just, I love fashion. But, you know, if you think about it in, in world history, when people meet, The very first thing traded is fashion. Before food, before understanding language. Oh, I love your dress. Look look what they're wearing. Look at this. Everything. It's like, oh, I like your bag. I like your shoes. That's the first thing that happens. And when people are making their own designer masks, the first thing that happens is like, you know, with COVID masks. Hey, nice mask. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the first thing we all notice and we and we start ripping from each other is fashion. Yeah. So I love seeing our Native artists being empowered by this huge fashion movement going on right now yes. because I want to see Americans, you know, wearing American Indian fashion. I think it's great. I mean, that, what a testimony of success. So Margaret's in that whole wheelhouse, and I just love watching that and what she does and adds it's just really, really incredible. She
0: sounds amazing. I'm gonna to have to. She, yeah, and she's someday. an amazing
2: person. I mean, she's just—I
0: can't get us like. How did I meet her?
2: Like, yes. how do I get to work with these people? I'm just eclipsed <laughs> by this talent.
0: Well, you know, I remember when I used to, you know, you do an audition for you know, let's just just picking something, San Francisco Opera or whatever, and of course, their idea is to bring in singers from somewhere else, for instance, to be their, you know, highlight highlight them. And I understand why they do it. It's exciting to say, oh, the, they're from New York City or whatever. But I've always thought, man, there's so much good local talent in all of these different states and yes. um, and especially Oklahoma. And I don't know that people always know that um, just because Oklahoma doesn't get a ton of notoriety. It is now a little more with reservation dogs and
1: mm-hmm. killers
0: of the flower and moon and stuff like that. But yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, So, you know, we mentioned earlier that I'm Choctaw, you're Chickasaw, so we're kind of like brother and sister
2: here. So (laughs) uh, what would you
0: like people to know about your Chickasaw nation?
2: Well, you know, uh, one thing that I'm I'm very proud of is, I mean, it's kind of similar to like the Iroquois Confederacy had a direct impact on the U.S. Constitution. And when Ben Franklin came back for them, he's like, I've got our missing piece. This is going mm. to seal the deal on our constitution right well the chickasaws had a, had a very very large impact on where the country the direction of the country went because uh the louisiana purchase had been made and the french were literally trying to disseminate d- decimate the chickasaw people specifically mm-hmm. because they were such a force and so the french went to war with the chickasaws and we wiped them out we drove them out and we, i'm sorry the, the, that created the Louisiana purchase it allowed the united right. states to buy that part of the united states and then then of course the rest came after that but it was three languages going on one was english and french and spanish and that louisiana purchase allowed america to be what it was and to actually take over the rest of the the, the country like that and it's why we all speak english today instead of mm-hmm. french to each other it is the reason wow. and i uh, you know hedging my bets i'm i'm glad that, you mean, know, choosing the countries that would have been, you know, you know, I guess the colonizing country, I think we came out with the best of the three. That's my personal opinion about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also, it's like for Indian country for in, with American Indians. Um, if we had three different, uh, you know, totally different cultures running it, I don't think we would have been able to be as monolithic as we are today. Hmm. So I don't know. That is
0: an interesting take on it. I like that.
2: It's all conjecture. I mean, you know, it's like you know, it's hindsight is always twenty twenty. But it's, you know, but I I try to see a positive thing about that. But I I can say very clearly that the reason why American Indians all speak English to each other is because of the Chickasaw Nation.
0: Interesting. Mm-hmm. I totally believe that. Yeah. And it's yeah. a it's a wonderful tribe too. Um, is it Atubi that's your chief?
2: Yeah, Anotubby. Um,
0: yes. yeah, he seems like a you know great leader, and I'm proud of our chiefs. Yeah. Actually, he's, he's called a governor, I think, right? Not yeah, a, yeah, Not a chief.
2: No, I, I am proud of Rominko's as well. I mean, our leaders, I think, are really, really quite exceptional. And uh, I mean, again, I'm grateful to be where we are now because, you know, 70, 50 years ago, our our, our leaders were uh, were government appointed and we're back to our full elections now. So we have a lot of autonomy. Our yeah. constitutions are in full force. And mm-hmm. we've had those since uh, since even before removal. We had constitutions, and so it's just you know right. that we you know I'm just really really glad, great that uh, glad that we have that that autonomy, and so I, I'm very proud of our leaders. I'm very very proud of Bill Anitubie. I think he's just awesome. I'm I'm very grateful that he's our leader right now.
0: Absolutely. Well, Mm -hmm. thank you, Chickasaw Nation, for always being a wonderful um, sister (laughs) tribe.
2: (laughs) Yes, absolutely.
0: Absolutely. So, um, oh, and side note, uh, the Chickasaw Cultural Center, is that in Ada or Ardmore?
2: It's in Sulphur.
0: Oh, it's not, not either one. It's in sulfur. And I have been to it. It's just been a a couple of years. That is a great place for people to go and learn more about the culture, but also it's just a fun day. Bring your family. There's lots to do and see. And, um, even just the staff there are super cool. Mm -hmm. So. Well, I wanted to give a thanks to a shout out to your team for all their hard work and expertise, your translator, your uh, costume designer, Margaret, your singers. Um, obviously I can't name them all here just because we don't have enough time, but I know that they've probably worked super hard. And, um, I, I really, as a fellow singer, I really appreciate what you guys are all doing together. So, uh, you mentioned November of 2022 is the, um, uh, Probably yeah, that's our target when. Now. Yeah, so okay. we'll
2: be in the winter of 2022 when we premiere this great and, uh, i'm very excited so basically you can follow me on all the socials i that i use it very much as a billboard for events yeah um, i have very little personal stuff on there because then it just gets too confusing and junky so i just put on <laughs> so, but it's, it's very easy to find all the events that are happening with all this stuff um, with all this classical american indian music
0: yeah absolutely I'll, I'll definitely be coming to watch probably more than once i'm going to drag as many people as i can to come see it can't Take wait Uh, that's that's right (laughs) everybody gets a t-shirt
2: yep that's right (laughs) print t-shirts now that's right
0: (laughs) um you know i'm gonna put all this information on my native native chalk talk facebook page i'll be updating y'all as we go and to see you know hey it's still november 22nd everybody come here's where you can buy tickets or whatever the case is Uh, do you think it'll be where will it be held do you know? Oh yes.
2: So this was commissioned by Tianhui Ung, who is the conductor of the Mount Holyoke Orchestra. Oh. And that Mount Holyoke College is part of the UMass Amherst College System. There's five colleges there, so it's going to be at UMass Amherst.
1: Oh,
0: okay, um, so it's and, not in Oklahoma. It's it's in. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. And now for our finale, are there any yeah. words of wisdom that you'd like to share with our listeners today?
1: <laughs> you know, <laughs> bring uh, it
2: on. I I yeah, okay. I, I, and I've had a lot of perspective in the last year and a half, like a lot of other people have. And um, I'm really, really clear about choosing positivity and leading with love. I really think that that's our answers, guys. And I I, I just and I feel really good about saying that. And, mm-hmm. and and all the zooming that we've been doing, I've been really focusing on that. And I see when we lead with love, how immediately transformable it is to other folks, and people feel it. I feel it when somebody's being positive and looking at silver linings and stuff like that, and embracing that with each other. Because you know, we're, there's eight billion people on the planet, and we're, we all have a very unique universe to us—a very unique and beautiful story. And I, I just believe that people are born beautiful, brilliant, and well, and so—and we all deserve that love for each other. So I just—I just really like to focus on that these days, and um, I'm really glad. To feel that way. And I just want other people to feel the same. And when I write music, I like to feel legendary and universal and and like people feel like empowering, no matter where you're from. I like that connection. And so, you know, I I hope that, that people glean that from my work.
0: I absolutely love it. What a positive message. And as you and I talked about earlier, we have this opportunity now, our Native community does. Uh, we're, the spotlight is on us more than ever, and we have to be responsible with that. And if we can share good, positive messages and, um, and actually influence other people in a good way. I think we should try to take us take ourselves up on it, right? And um, thank I, you for... it's,
2: it's a true opportunity to be leaders in a beautiful direction, and we yeah. have that ability to do that. We really, really do. I believe in Indians. I really believe in us as people Absolutely. of being really great leaders. We've seen it in the past, and I, I think it's just a lot of a lot of futures ahead of us of great leadership.
0: That's right. Mm-hmm. Seize the day, y'all. Today's the day. Let's do it. <laughs> so, Jared, this has been an absolute pleasure. I I just I picture this Chickasaw boy rising up and finding his passion and sharing that gift with the world. And not only that, but also bringing two worlds together that normally don't collide, opera and the Native American language. And what you're doing is beautiful. And we're cheering you on. So, Yakoki. Okay.
2: Yes, Yaakokee, okay. Chukmashki.
1: And here at Chickasha Wings, we teach people to fly. We've got 11 airplanes, nine flight instructors, and about five mechanics. We turn out about 80 new certificates or ratings each year. And we train pilots who now fly at the major airlines. they fly for the Air Force, the FAA, for private jets, they even have a few missionary pilots. Our customers come from all over the United States. Here at Chickasha, we're able to provide lower costs, a more focused training program, and we're able to provide a higher level of customer service. My favorite thing about this business is helping people because I see people go from not knowing anything about it to being an airline pilot. Come out here and learn to fly.
0: Thanks for listening to Native Chalk Talk. Be sure to join our community on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Simply search for Native Chalk Talk. That's native C-H-O-C-T-A-L-K. And check us out at nativechalktalk.com. Stay tuned for the next episode, you're gonna love it. Yakoki, thank you, my friends.